Welcome to the Viasat in Conversation podcast. I'm Alex Miller with Corporate Communications, and with me today is Garish Chandran, Viasat's Chief Technology Officer. Garish, we wanted to talk to you today about the area of digital transformation. So from Viasat's perspective, this refers to ways in which our technology can enable connectivity in ways that maybe weren't possible just a few years ago. So this could mean everything from connected cars and planes to smart cities and agriculture. To start with some context, what's driving this need for connectivity in these different applications? If you look at the different examples, they all have different needs. Let's take the example of cars. There are several aspects in a car that require the need for connectivity. Driver safety is a very central element. Cars now have the ability to detect fatigue and warn drivers. Then there are better routing algorithms that steer you through traffic in a more efficient way. If you look at smart cities, you know, parking is one of the big issues in cities. So even in San Diego, there is a, an effort at putting cameras on streetlights that can be then used to direct users to parking spot in garages or even open spaces. Then there is monitoring for prevention of crime and a number of use cases to monitor emissions uh, from cars and other vehicles. Or take the example of farming, which you brought up. In 1776, when America got its independence, well over 90% of the people were engaged in farming. The population then was a few million. Over 240 years later, in 2019, the population is about 320 million in the U.S. Many people from the farms have migrated over the years to the cities in search of a better life. There are fewer farmers now, about 1.5 million, and the farm sizes have gotten significantly larger. So what this means is the efficiency of farm production has grown dramatically. If this trend continues, that is, if the population continues growing and the farm starts, sizes start shrinking, we'll need farms to get more efficient with fewer farmers. This leads to the increasing use of technology to drive efficiency. Smart farming is becoming increasingly adopted in the U.S. and in large countries like Brazil, the farm sizes are getting even bigger than the U.S., Okay. Um, so, well, let's talk a little bit about connected vehicles. Um, so we know Viasat has made great strides with connected aircraft and, and moving to an industry leader uh, in just a few years. So how do we take what we know about connecting planes and apply it to other vehicles, like everything from ships at sea to, to military vehicles on the ground? So airline companies try to run very efficiently to keep the cost low. They're not making a lot of profit, so they have to make sure they're running efficiently. So operational data, that saves them time and keep the planes flying in air, um, you know, creates greater revenue. And they also care a lot about costs, so fuel costs are very important. So connectivity informs the pilots of weather and allows rerouting of traffic, both for safety and efficiency. There was a London School of Economics study that showed that annual savings could be upwards of $15 billion across the airline industries. Sophisticated decision-making about 
rerouting flights happens elsewhere. And in those cases, data needs to be pushed from where it's collected, which is on the airplanes, uh, and sent to where it's analyzed and decisions made. And then it's sent back and actuators at uh, on, on, on the flights are then uh, enabled to do what's necessary to run the engines more efficiently or reroute the planes, etc. So these are examples of why connectivity is important. It's sort of like the connective tissue that allows your limbs to function correctly. Airlines also use connectivity to keep passengers entertained or allow passengers to connect to the internet for information. These same applications uh, of connectivity applies to cars and ships. Take for example cars. Passengers could stream Netflix or Disney. Software update in cars could be done via satellite. So cars are now software platforms on wheels, so they need software updates periodically. And instead of recalling them back to the dealerships, you could do software updates via satellite. The same thing with ships, whether it's commercial, cruise ships or yachts with a handful of people or even in navy ships where connectivity can be used for entertainment for information about weather etc so you're no longer working in isolation you have access to the world's information at your fingertips that allows you not just connectivity for sailors to their homes or talking to people in battlefields, right, in the seas. Um, But you can also talk to commanders that want to connect back to headquarters to make decisions um, in the throes of a fight. It could also be used to send information um, to connect to loved ones back at home. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can. I know that uh, those guys that are on those Navy ships and you know on long deployments uh, don't get to talk to their family uh, much in between. So this would be a, a huge plus for them. Yes. Now, this has the connectivity has enabled a very significant role in making lives smoother for people on ships uh, on long deployments for sure so uh, another another area we hear a lot about these days is the connected car which you, you referenced uh, there so where does Viasat see itself in this kind of applications and, and what are the challenges there it seems like a, a smaller antenna is the first thing you'd need to address yeah there are multiple types of connectivity that cars need so there are real-time needs where you need to make decisions in the millisecond range. So that happens locally in cars. Or if you buy newer cars, you know that cars uh, come with uh, features that allow inter-car spacing to be maintained. Those kinds of decisions are done locally with short-range communication. And then there are vehicle-to-infrastructure Um, connectivity. So the first one was vehicle-to-vehicle connectivity. The second one is happens in near real-time where the traffic lights and vehicles communicate uh, in order to get efficient flow of 
traffic through intersections. A third kind is non-real-time applications, and these kinds of applications can be in the you know, seconds to multiple seconds kind of range. And this is the application where satellite can come into play, where these are high bandwidth applications, whether to do software updates or for doing entertainment that we spoke about earlier. We are working on um, an antenna, a phased array antenna that sits flat on top of of the roof of a car. And we're now trialing that uh, here in Carlsbad as we speak. And when you go to OEMs, they integrate it into the car. The advantage of this is that, you know, if you're driving across Texas or Montana, where there may not be a lot of cellular connectivity and you want to make sure you're connected, you need satellites for this. And so typically in cars, you can get cellular connectivity today and you buy either subscriptions through Verizon or AT&T or T-Mobile or Sprint in the US. And if you decide to go to Europe, you need other subscriptions, um, just like you do for cellular roaming, you know, you need connectivity from different providers. With satellite connectivity, you just need, for example, a subscription from Viasat, and you can have drive across the U.S. because you can have visibility to the satellite from very large swaths of the country or across continents. Right. Yeah, that would be a real game changer for people driving, especially through the deserts and the American West and places like that. Yeah. Um, So I just wanted to ask about, um, so when you're talking about the three kinds of connectivity, like in a smart city, you've got the, um, you know, the satellite that that might be doing so software downloads and streaming, things like that. You've got maybe mobile like LTE or maybe even 5G that's doing some of the, um, you know, to the traffic signals and, and things like that. But the car to car, um, that's a really, that's like milliseconds. That's really, really short. Cause you know, if you're going to stop in time to not, uh, you know, bump into somebody, what, what is the, um, what's that technology? Is it Bluetooth or something? No, it's, um, it's, uh, you know, basically radar type technology. So okay. it's, uh, they, they use radar and LIDAR type technology to make decisions, uh, today in, in terms of, intercar spacing um, so they shoot out these pulses that then reflect back it's like you know bats that echolocate um, uh, so so similar to you know what you see today in terms of uh, when you back up your car you'll end up hearing beeps when and those are little audio ultrasonic sensors that are used so there are different frequency ranges for different types of uses within a car so the cars today have lots of sensors on them you know uh, similarly airplanes today have thousands and thousands of sensors on them and you have multiple wireless networks within cars in which we don't often think about but these cars have become highly networked within themselves and now you also have other forms of connectivity. So, for example, if you were driving a GM, or you'd have, you can get an OnStar subscription, and you'll see these OnStar console buttons um, where you can push for help or ask for directions in case you're stuck, or look for the nearest gas station, or update your maps, etc. Those 
OnStar things are done via satellite. Okay. Wow. It, yeah, it really helps you see how the you know the self-driving vehicles uh, could be right around the corner with all of this. So, uh, in a, a related uh, area that Viasat's been working on is in the connected health and disaster communications, and I know we've been doing some testing with ambulances in Europe, uh, focused on the life-saving benefit of emergency personnel being able to actually communicate in real time with doctors on the ground before before the patient even gets to the hospital. So. Uh, I wanted to ask, uh, why, why is that important and how is Viasat uh, making those connections? Yeah, emergency response is a very interesting use case. And we can also talk about connected health in general. So the outcomes when an emergency room is prepared with the right kind of doctors and the right kind of equipment and medicines before ambulances or helicopters show up has very dramatic differences in terms of trauma outcomes, the ability to save lives. So we're working on technologies that can have connectivity even through rotor blades that are spinning around in a helicopter. So we can communicate through this um, in an uninterrupted fashion. So if you're doing medevac type stuff, say for example, you wanna do rescues over coastal areas or at sea or in remote areas, these kinds of technologies become important. Similarly with ambulances. Or for example, if you have emergencies in the case of fire, for example, we had um, the Paradise Fire not too long ago uh, in California where 85 people lost their lives and getting phone calls through their cellular infrastructure was quite difficult. And so, We have technologies, we have radios that are easily deployed so that you can get to these places quickly. Right. So when like the, you know, the terrestrial infrastructure has been destroyed, uh, you know, you can you can bring in satellite equipment and get people get it online pretty quickly to, to help in emergencies. That's right. And what happens is if you have higher bandwidth connections, we can even have video connection. So, for example, in a connected health application or even an emergency application, if you could actually see the condition of the patient remotely, that can help the doctors prepare or in in case of connected health type applications help diagnose remotely so if you're you know it's not that all sorts of health outcomes are affected but suppose you wanted to look at the condition of your eye and you had a camera that you could stream out to your doctor via satellite located remotely you could do that and we're going to be trying some of these applications out um, in the not too distant future. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we all think of the ambulances and, you know, emergency uh, vehicles are all well equipped with radios. But uh, but having a, a ability to stream video really uh, makes quite can make quite a difference in, in those particular cases that you were mentioned. Speaking of, uh, you know, disaster communications, Viasat participated, um, I believe it was last fall, in a a NATO exercise in Europe that illustrated how quickly satellite can fill in when terrestrial communications go down. So I was wondering, can you explain how that works and and the value that satellite brings to those situations? You know, this sort of thing happens very frequently in the East Coast of the United States. Every year we get hurricanes um, season and you have these big storms blowing through. And what happens is that the cell towers topple over and suddenly you don't have connectivity in a town or a city. When disaster strikes, 
everybody wants to know what's going on, both people who are remote who want to know what's happening to their loved ones and people who are in the city wanting to reach out and um, letting others know where the, what their evacuation plan is. So there is a demand surge and the cellular infrastructure that's already now impaired gets heavily congested. So some, you know, a few years ago during Hurricane Sandy, we ended up uh, we ended up working with Red Cross to get transportable satellite terminals and relief camps where they would very quickly be able to set up these satellite dishes uh, in a very simple way. You just open up the box and the satellite auto-deploys and points to the satellite. So you have access at the camp uh, to medical information or other kinds of information that you need because you have internet connectivity or you could send pictures to other communities that are engaged in disaster relief. Uh, whether it's disaster relief, uh, relief in Nepal or hard to reach places um, or in mountainous areas or in fires, right? the cellular infrastructure ends up with a lot of stress and that's where satellite can help. And so disaster relief agencies can go in and set up these satellite dishes in these areas and the satellites are not subject to the same kind of issues because the satellite itself is 36,000 kilometers or 22,000 miles up in the sky and not subject to weather or outages or storm. So the ground infrastructure that supports the satellite communication is such that even though the terminals are where the people are, you're pointing up to the satellite that's in the sky and the downlink from the satellite is in a place where there's no storm and it connects to the internet there. So you have the ability to have a resilient infrastructure that deals with the situations in a nice way and allows a lot of relief agencies to be effective in providing communication and all the support. And we've recently had similar sort of experiences helping in Puerto Rico when the storm hit there and in Brazil where there was a dam that burst and we um, were able to provide disaster relief communications very quickly. Okay, that concludes the first part of our conversation with Viasat Chief Technology Officer Garish Chandran. The second part of this podcast focuses on some other digital transformation technologies in which satellite also will play a big role. We'll get a little deeper into smart farming and also talk about drones, border security, and more. Be sure to check it out on the Viasat blog or podcast page. 